Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Zoom is excellent in these conditions as well. And it's gone through the hands of Allison and into the back of the net. Alexander Arnold. Oh my goodness. What a finish. And Fornals could be in. Fornals for West Ham. And it's gone. To the back post this time. 3 1. Alexander Arnold almost brought it under control. Divock Origi did. Game on, 3-2. The unbeaten run is over. Yes, it finishes. Uh, West Ham well worth the points at the London Stadium. And in many ways, was it only a matter of time before it was going to happen? Uh, just a blip or a cause for concern to tell us? Well, of course, we have James Pearce, who's done a great piece on The Athletic about Liverpool's uh, defeat at West Ham. And Chris McLaughlin as well who's uh, involved in writing the uh, the Liverpool programme regularly and works for Reach. Uh, welcome along, guys. James, look, even great teams can't win all the time, can they? But I, I just mentioned it there. Did it feel like it was always on the cards at some stage with the way Liverpool have been playing? Yeah, I think so. Just, you know, I, I didn't expect them to kind of fall apart in the manner in which they did in the second half on Sunday. But the warning signs have been there previously this season as as well as Liverpool have played for long periods, as, as scintillating of, as, as they've been as an attacking force, there's been too many games where they have been too open. And, you know, I think back to the title winning season when they were just so good at getting themselves into great positions in games and then just taking the sting out of it and just saying, well, no, do you know what? We're not going to give you a sniff of getting yourself back into this game. And, you know, there's been a lot of occasions this season where that hasn't been the case. You think of Brentford when, um, you know, Liverpool led twice there, couldn't get the job done. You, you know, you think of even Man City, you know, there's no disgrace drawing against Man City. But again, you know, that was a game Liverpool really should have won. You know, you think of Madrid away when the two-goal lead evaporated, the same against Brighton. And I think it does come down to kind of that lack of solidity. You know, I think Klopp has got Liverpool going again as an attacking force, but they seem to have lost something the other way. And, um, you know, I think there's all kinds of reasons for that, which I'm sure we'll go on to. You know, not least the injuries in midfield, which have meant a huge amount of chopping and changing. But, um, yeah, of course, after the West Ham defeat, there was a lot of focus on big decisions going against Liverpool. But, you know, and, and yes, it could have been a very different game if those two big calls had gone the other way in those opening eight minutes. But I think in the cold light of day, you'd have to admit that, that Liverpool were their, their own worst enemies. Chris, I don't know about you, but given the run Liverpool have been on, you sort of forget the deflation of that losing feeling. It's something that's, that was a distant memory. All of a sudden, it's back on you. And, you know, you read through social media, you, you'd feel like it was an absolute disaster. It clearly isn't, but it's not nice losing, yeah, is it? It's not. We all know what modern-day football's like. You lose one game, it's the end of the world. I mean, I think the first thing to say is 25 games unbeaten. For the first time since 1989, when 
when Kenny was in charge. And that run ended with a defeat to Arsenal that cost us the title. So let's not underplay that. I mean, 25 games in, in this division and playing the Champions League as well is a good achievement. It doesn't get you a trophy and we're in it for trophies. But at the same time, every run comes to an end. And I think it's more the way it came to an end at West Ham rather than that it did come to an end. That's kind of left the fans a bit deflated. Um, two goals from set pieces. The first one, well, in some countries it's a foul. Last season it's probably a foul when everything seemed to be a foul in the, the penalty area. This year, I'm kind of a bit more old school than that. I think it was probably all right. I mean, I'm sure the manager and, and Alisson would disagree, but if Liverpool had scored a goal like that, if Van Dijk had got up at the other end and added one in, or the goal you punched it in and his arm had been up, I'd have been... All right with it. The second big call is the one that's wrong. Aaron Cresswell, it's a red card. I mean, he does make contact with the ball mm. first, but the second foot goes really high into Jordan Henderson. VAR looked at it. I'm absolutely baffled what they saw to suggest that wasn't a clear and obvious error. I think the manager's right when he says Craig Porson is the type of referee who lets VAR make decisions for him. I think we've seen it before with him. I'm pretty sure he was the referee in the, the West Brom FA Cup defeat quite a few years ago, the very first time we had any kind of video replays to look at at Anfield. And um, there was all kinds going on in that game. The first half lasted for about three weeks. He went to the screen that often. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it was it's a bit of a cop-out at time for, for referees because he was close to that incident. And that is a red card all day. And it has a, it has a massive effect on the game. All right, it was early, West Ham were winning. You don't know Liverpool are going to come back and draw or win, but the chances are playing against 10 men for, for 80 minutes, they would. So I think there are elements there that Liverpool fans can feel aggrieved about. At the same time, James is right in that there's other aspects of the game where Liverpool didn't play well enough afterwards and West Ham deserved to win. James, was it because we saw Klopp really irate afterwards? For all of us, when we look at it, we said, you can't lift your studs like that. Cresswell should have been shown red for the incident. There was the first incident, obviously, we're talking about in terms of the goal they scored straight away. But it seemed to me that that red card or the, or the lack of the red card was the thing that really annoyed him. Yeah, and I thought with the red card call on Cresswell, Klopp was absolutely spot on to, to be as angry as he was. I don't think that was a manager just looking for excuses. It is a red card. I, mean, I think the infuriating thing is, we, you know full well that you know, in two weeks' time after the international break, there'll be a similar incident and it will be a red card. You know, people have been sent off for so much less than that so far this season. Um, and I think I'm right in the sense, Stuart Atwell, I think he was the fourth official. I think he was the fourth official in midweek in the Champions League who, who sent off a, a Dortmund player for, for almost next to nothing. So, yeah, that baffled me because I think as soon as you saw the replay, you, you thought, well, that's clear. You know, because we always talk about these days, don't we, whether it's whether you're in control of the challenge. And he wasn't. It was reckless. You know, I don't think he set out to hurt Jordan Henderson. I don't think it was malicious, but it was dangerous. And it's a red card. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And, and obviously, you know, suddenly then, yes, Liverpool would still be a goal down, but you're playing against 10 men for 80-odd minutes. And, of course, that has huge implications on, on the outcome. I, I agree with Chris on the opening goal. I, th- I thought Klopp, you know, I, I can understand where he's coming from, but I just think Alisson has to be stronger there. You know, he's, he's such a big, hulking figure, isn't he? And... He just he got far too preoccupied with what was going on around him. He, he needed to be more physical. He needed to, you know, he needed to really fight and scrap for that ball. And and I think you know if there had been more contact, which there would have been if if he'd actually made more of an effort to to deal with it, then he probably would have got the decision. That that was infuriating for me because 
you just know with West Ham, you know that they're gonna, you know what they're gonna do. You know they're a big physical team. You know they're gonna swing those set pieces into dangerous areas, and you've got to be strong. And I just thought on the day, Liverpool allowed themselves to be bullied. Look, it's it's rare that Allison has an off day, Chris. It really is rare we're talking about him in any negative terms. But I don't think this game is one that he'll want to look back on, although I'm sure, I'm sure he will be made to by John Acterberg. Yeah, um, every player is off days, even the best in the world. And, you know, Alisson is one of the best in the world. He's, he's saved Liverpool on so many occasions. You know, the, the number of times we've been grateful for him. I mean, the, the game in Madrid, when we won 3-2 against Atletico, I mean, made four or five really good, important saves in that one. So I don't think anybody mm. underappreciates his value, but... Set pieces, they, they may be found a little weakness by if you, you crowd him and you, you put the ball right on top of him, can you get a goal against him? Can you can you bully him? Um, they certainly did for the first goal. The second one, I think you've got to give credit for the actual corner. Jared Bowen, I think it was, his, his corner to that far post, he whipped that brilliantly. And all right, it flies over Allison, but nobody's tracked the runner. Somebody's got to go with Zuma. There's nobody in the zone. Should there be someone in the zone? I don't know. But if there's not, there certainly should be a man going with a runner. It looked like it was Sadio Mane on the replays. So they've got a look at that as well. And generally, you know, on the clock, Liverpool haven't been too bad defending set pieces. It's a weird situation. I, I often fancy us to score when we've conceded a corner. I'm pretty sure we scored a goal at West Ham last season from a corner when... We counter-attacked and Shaqiri played that brilliant ball for Salah to control and, and knock in. So I don't mm. think there's a, a generally a problem overall with defending set-pieces, but there's maybe just a problem with defending a certain type of set-piece when Alisson is crowded because clearly West Ham found a vulnerability there and they took advantage. And West Ham have been the set-piece kings, haven't they? It's not just against Liverpool. They, they've done this, James. I think everyone knows they're pretty tough to defend against. Yeah, but I think as, as a Liverpool fan, I'm sure for the staff, that would have made what happened even more infuriating because you can guarantee that would have featured very heavily in the in the video analysis, in the team talks before the game, even down to making sure you don't give away stupid set pieces. And, and, and too often Liverpool did that, gave them opportunities to launch those balls into into the box. And you know with the quality of Fornells and, and Bowen, I think you delivered the one for the, the second set piece goal. You need to avoid situations like that as much as possible. And then when you're in those situations, you need to be strong. You need to be well organised. You know, effectively, Liverpool didn't do the basics right. You know, even even with Ogbonner on the on on Allison for the first goal, you know, you, you almost want to see in that situation a Liverpool defender almost knocking out Ogbonner out of the way. Or you know, you know, you, you need to create some space for the goalie, or the goalie has to create some space for himself to be able to deal with situations like that. So. Yeah, I, th- I just thought Liverpool would, you know, Klopp, sometimes when Liverpool aren't great, he uses the word passive, doesn't he, to describe how they play. And I just thought Liverpool would, were too passive. And it was infuriating because it was such a piece of brilliance from Trent Alexander-Arnold to get them back in the game. And, and with the timing of that goal, you just, you know, I was talking to people at half-time and thinking, you know, Liverpool haven't been great here, but you know what? That's a big time to score. You know, that would have really lifted them. I expect them to really come out and show their credentials as title contenders in the second half. But... You know, rather than come out and show their strengths, they actually showed the kind of weaknesses which suddenly make you doubt whether whether they are capable of sustaining the challenge this season. Well, interestingly, when it went back to 1-1, I had a quick look at the odds and, and West Ham were 4-1 to 
at that stage, Chris, to go on and win the game. How, how much did you put on them? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I only do pounds. <laughs> no, I, I didn't go that way. But actually, I think James is right. Obviously, they get the equaliser, Liverpool, and you're thinking, oh, surely, surely things will all turn right. But somehow, and, and actually, James used the term in his match report, game management. Somehow, Liverpool's game management wasn't right. Yeah, I think it's personally, I think it stems from the midfield, and I think we saw. A little bit of against Brighton as well in the in the in the previous league game in that. Whereas in previous years when Liverpool have been successful under Klopp, they've controlled games when they've they've either been level or been leading. They've had a little bit of nous and extra know-how in the midfield, and I think that's where we're missing Genie Wijnaldum. Now I know he can be a divisive subject for Liverpool fans, and there was a lot of supporters who were happy to see him leave, didn't think he created enough or, or did enough. But the defensive side of his game. The control he helped to give to Liverpool, in my opinion, he was the best Liverpool midfielder at keeping hold of the ball. A number of times he had the ball in tight situations with two or three men around him and he, he had the strength and the skill to keep hold of the ball, to keep possession, to give it to a teammate. I think we've lost a bit of that this season. I don't think we've replaced him. I think, obviously, you try other options, but some of the other options, Naby Keita, as good as he can be on his day, does get a lot of injuries, which is really, really unfortunate because... You look at what Naby can contribute when he plays, and for me, he'd be in the team. That said, you've got to have fit midfielders to play at this level in this in this division, and the number of injuries he he picks up means it's always a concern that he's not going to string any kind of, of run together. Thiago, again, another one who seems to pick up a fair number of injuries. I think it'd be a little bit harsh to, to criticise him at the moment because he's just playing his way back in, but... Again, I, I feel he's been a bit sloppy on, on the ball in the last couple of games when he's come on, that he's not really given the element of control to the midfield that I, I would expect from a player of his quality. So, whereas, like James said before, Klopp has got Liverpool attacking better again. And, you know, you look at the, the number of goals we've scored away from home, even though we lost the game at West Ham, we still scored twice. We are defensively more vulnerable. We, we saw it at Brentford. We saw it against Brighton. Man City, like James said, you can't really argue Man City scoring twice against you, but again, we let them back in twice. And even people forget, before the red card in the Chelsea game, Chelsea were the better team at Anfield, and that, that game changed on that. So my personal view is that, obviously, when Fabinho's not playing, we miss him. He did play yesterday, but you can't just rely on one of the three midfielders to provide that defensive solidity and, and control. And, and I think not replacing Gini Wijnaldum with player who can provide that aspect of the game, that sort of dirty work that you do need in a team like... We, we saw in the 80s under Ronnie Whelan, I guess, is probably the, the player I'm thinking of the most, where a player who was a little bit underappreciated for what he did off the ball and, and what he did defensively. We Liverpool lack that at the moment to complement Fabinho in that midfield, in my opinion. Yeah, we spent months, James, didn't we, on this pod talking about Genie when he was still at the football club saying he's never injured, he's reliable... He does work that people aren't seeing. And it's it's just so evident now when he's not there. I think Chris has absolutely nailed this. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. I think um, they say that you don't never really fully appreciate what you've got until it's, it's not there anymore. And I think that's probably the case with Wijnaldum in terms of, you know, just I think I think so much of his best work went under the radar. And, and in terms of that, you know, the way in which he dropped in and, and provided cover when the fullbacks went forward, you know, how well he read the game, been able to break the play up and um, yeah I just think you can get at this Liverpool team this season 
far too easily. And he, even when Liverpool are playing brilliantly, and and the thing is that and Liverpool will still win a large percentage of matches, even if they don't address this, because they've got so much individual brilliance in the team. But I just don't think it's possible to be serious title contenders when when you're throwing away some of the positions that they're getting themselves into, because suddenly, in the cold light of day after that defeat, you're looking at it and going, well, hang on a minute, when, when Liverpool are only now two points clear of Arsenal. And it wasn't long ago that we were talking about Arsenal being in crisis and Arteta being on the brink of the sack. And that's the nature of, of the league this season, isn't it? Suddenly, one defeat and you're, you're looking over your shoulder rather than looking up. So, um, yeah, well, there's no doubt when Aldem is being missed. And as, as Chris said, it's been compounded by the injuries because I'm sure Klopp pre-season would have would have thought without Wijnaldum, right? You know, for a start, we'll see a lot more of Thiago this season. The last couple of months, of last season, you thought, right, Thiago is now ready to really show why Liverpool was so ecstatic about winning that battle for his signature. Yet again, it's been so stop-start. You know, clearly he's still working his way back up to full fitness. It would be unfair to judge him with how little football he's played this season. You know, the same with Cater in and then out, flashes of brilliance, and then other moments. Um, that haven't gone gone great for him. The same with Henderson. I thought you know Henderson's form is, has been erratic at times as well. And yeah, I mean I just I, I thought the, the the second goal yesterday was just kind of epitomised that how exposed Van Dijk and Matip were left by you know Bowen searing right through the centre of the team. And all, the other thing that annoyed me about that is someone has to bring Bowen down and take a yellow card. You know I, I think two or three of them were close enough to do that. And it, it's one it's one area of the game that Man City are incredibly good at those cynical fouls just to absolutely kill a move. And and you you take the yellow, you regroup, you get men behind the ball. And I, and you know that for me as well was you know a, a a big moment in the game because then suddenly the atmosphere inside that stadium changed. And then you know Liverpool were fortunate they didn't concede more than three actually before. You know, credit to Divock Origi. Obviously, it's it's not really going to get talked about much in the aftermath because of the result. You know, that was that was an impressive cameo from him. I thought he he improved Liverpool as soon as he came on, took his goal brilliantly, and then, you know, if Sadio Mane hadn't missed that late chance, we'd be talking about you know a late salvage act and a point. But I think even if even if Liverpool had got a point, which I didn't think they deserved on the day, I don't think it would have taken away from the fact that they are too open and you can get at them far too easily. And you know that is. Certainly, something for Klopp to to ponder and for Pep Linders over the next fortnight. Yeah, and and just on that midfield, obviously Oxlade Chamberlain's playing a lot of minutes at the moment. If if you were going to think of this back at the start of the season, where would he be, Chris, in in the pecking order? And actually, do you see him now as having to play a vital role going? Yeah, forward? I mean, if if you asked every Liverpool fan to name the strongest eleven, not many would put Alex Oxlade Chamberlain in it, which. It's partly down to some of the injuries he's had. It's partly down to some of the competition that's in the team, but also partly down to some of his form in that he can contribute. We, we know what he can do, but does he do it enough? Does, does he show his best when he, he's given those opportunities? And I'm not sure he always does. And it may sound a little harsh because he's not had a, a run of 10, 12, 15, 20 games to re-establish himself like he, he did when he first came to Liverpool. But I would suggest most fans would argue he's not in the strongest 11. That said, the manager has always said it's a squad game. You don't win a league, you don't win a Champions League, you don't win anything with just with 11 players and three subs now. It's not the way football is. We see other teams, we see Chelsea rotating quite a lot and they're currently top of the table. You look at the squad Man City have got, at one point it seemed like they had endless midfielders to, to bring him in when they needed to. 
And all those players in the squad have got to contribute. And Oxlade-Chamberlain's no different. He's probably Liverpool's best goal-scoring central midfielder over than Naby Keita. He can probably shoot long range better than anybody else in the squad, I would suggest. And he, he has to take his chance when, when he's given it. Personally, I thought he did quite well against um, Atletico and Anfield in midweek. But maybe because he's not played enough football, he, he can't necessarily do that midweek weekend, midweek. It's catching up on him, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I thought he wasn't at his best yesterday, to be to be perfectly honest, at, at West Ham. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Right, I don't want to draw out loads of negatives, but there's another conversation in the team as well about Andy Robertson and whether he deserves to be left in the, in the side at the moment. We've mentioned again on the, on the Red Agenda quite a few times, James, the fact that there's great competition there at left-back now. All players suffer dips. Andy's clearly not at his very best form. Uh, Kostas Simikas is a player who I think you could probably trust. Well, what would be your, your preferred option at the moment? Oh, do you know what? I, I think it's a really, real difficult one. And I think I'm sure it's something that Klopp himself is wrestling with because um, you can't forget what Andy Robertson has given this team over recent years and just how influential and integral he's been to the to the great success Liverpool have had. You know, he he has been consistently the best left back in in European football for me. But you know, you've got to be honest and say he's not performing anywhere near that level at the moment, and I, I'm not sure why. I don't know. Watching him yesterday. You know, he's someone, I think, who is very hard on himself when things aren't going great. And I just wonder whether he's beating himself up a little bit and maybe trying too hard at times and that's affecting his decision making. But yeah, I mean, I was looking at the stats on the train coming back from London and, you know, he eight crosses he provided during that game and only one of them reached a Liverpool player. And I can think off the top of my head at two, if not three West Ham, really dangerous counter-attacks that actually came from, from him squandering possession. So, you know, I think it seemed to me that Klopp has almost favoured backing him to almost play his way through this little lull, which, you know, all, all, all players go through bad spells. It's not, I'm not massively alarmed by it. I'm sure it's a short-term thing. You also have to bear in mind that, you know, during the international breaks, which it feels like we've had about 12 of them already this season, that massive responsibilities on his shoulders in terms of being Scotland captain, being out there week after week. You know, he obviously also missed... You know the, the the first chunk of this season, didn't he? When he picked up that injury in the in the final round of like preseason friendly. So whether it's partly fatigue, I don't know. But you know you can't get away from the fact that every time Simicus has played this season, he's done very well. And you know, I, and I thought I think we said after the Atletico Madrid game that Simicus couldn't have done any more. I didn't think in that game to keep his place. 
But it was clear from speaking to Klopp on Friday when he was asked about it that he said, you know, yes, Simicus is pushing Robbo. He said, but, you know, for me, Robertson is still the best left back in the world. And, you know, that show of faith was forthcoming with, with recalling him on Sunday. But it wasn't the big performance and the big response that that we were all hoping for. So, um, yeah, I, I think that is an issue. Yeah, t- tough managerial call, but he's standing by his man. I mean, let's face it, it's, it's not just him on the left side that, that isn't playing to the level, both him and Mane. I think you'd, you'd say the left side of the team, Chris, isn't at the level yeah, that it could well, be. Yeah, personally, I think Sadio's got closer to his best again this season. By his own admission, he, he just wasn't at his best last year. I think maybe fatigue had finally caught up with him, not having many summers off. I don't think he's been that bad this season, to be honest. I think, you know, his goal level's improved. He's, he's took some of his goals really well. If you look at the opening goal against Man City, through ball from Salah, Mane scores. Opening goal at Watford, through ball from Salah, Mane scores. And people focus on the missed chance, of, of, you know, obviously, because that was the, the way to get back in and get a late equaliser. I still think that was a difficult opportunity, personally. He's coming at the far post and it's a diving header back across goal. Ideally, you want him to score. Would he have scored at his, at his best? Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure how many diving headers he's, he's scored for Liverpool. I think it's maybe one against City at Anfield I can, I can think of. But I don't think he... So, so would you leave Robertson in the side, Chris? I'd, play, I'd, I'd rotate. Um, I think yeah. Costas has done enough to warrant more game time. Um, but to also warrant more game time in some of the bigger games... That said, I wouldn't simply make him first choice and, and bench Robbo and, and not play Robbo. I think there's a, there's enough games and um, enough opportunities for both players, personally. And it's, it's a way to keep the full-backs fresh on the left-hand side because, as Klopp's alluded to in the past, the the position that probably does have to work the hardest in his, in his formation, they're expected to get as far forward as the front three, but also when the other team attacks, they're expected to get back as well. So... Costas was brought in to provide that alternative to Robbo, and so you use them both. There's probably a bigger issue on the right-hand side in that there isn't a like-for-like with Trent. Um, And I don't mean just in the squad, I mean anywhere in world football. For his quality on the ball and the the creativity he brings to the Liverpool team, you you simply can't replace him. It doesn't matter if you're Nico Williams, Joe Gomez, Conor Bradley or anyone else at any other team, you, you simply can't replace that. So... I think there's there's potentially more of a difficulty on the right hand side longer term in terms of keeping players fresh, but for the left left side, I think it's fairly simple. Rotate them, use them both. Right. When you're looking at the bench at the moment, James, are you seeing answers to difficult questions? Obviously, we've had games recently: the Atletico game, the Brighton game, this game at West Ham, where, where solutions are needed. Are you, are you seeing squad solutions on the bench? Well, I think obviously the injuries have have kind of dented. You know the options at Klopp's disposal, haven't they? I think um, you mentioned before about Oxlade Chamberlain. You know, was great in midweek. I thought, yeah, you always then worry as he as he got another big one in him so soon after. And I think I think the answer on Sunday was no, he didn't. And of course, with the injury situation in midfield at the moment, his hands were pretty much tied. I mean, clearly he didn't think Thiago was ready to to start the game, and then you know I, di- I didn't think. He was able to have much of an impact as his distribution let him down when he did come on. So, um, yeah, it's being a bit stretched. And then the loss of Firmino for, you know, it could be up to six weeks, I think. You know, we could be looking at the middle of December before he's back. You know, that does that does place a, you know, a real big burden on you know, Jota, probably especially, 
in terms of needing more. That's, that's a significant injury, isn't it, James? Six weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know probably as bad as it could have been because um, you know I, I think when he when he kind of went walking off down the tunnel, you thought, well, hopefully it's just a one of those ones where it's tightened up and and it might be might be a week or two. So for it to for the scan to show that it was a, a significant injury is tough to take, especially when you look at the fixture list coming up after the after the international break and just how many games there are. You know, I suppose if you're scrambling around for some some positive, it would be, you know, at, at least hopefully you'd have Firmino back fit and fresh just before Christmas when you're obviously then facing the prospect of losing Mane and Salah to the Africa Cup of Nations for a month. But um, it's difficult. I, mean, I think you look at it and, the, you know, the obvious thing is you really need more now from Origi and Minamino. And, you know, do you know what, to be fair to Origi, I don't think... That wasn't the first time this season that he's been been thrown in and, and done well and in, improved Liverpool. When you, you know, he can be infuriating sometimes to watch Divock Origi as much as you know we all adore him because of the iconic moments he's given us. Because when I watch him, you just think he's got everything you'd want in a in a centre forward. Yet sometimes it doesn't seem to translate to being able to to do it on a on a consistent basis. And you know, Klopp said himself, didn't he? What was it a month or two ago that? You know, he expected Origi to leave in the summer because you know he thought the offers would come in for him, that he would go somewhere and play more regularly because his chances were so limited last season. Yet, you know, whether it was the you know the impact of COVID, you know, hitting transfer budgets and all the rest of it, and obviously he's a relatively high earner. Whether you know that influenced teams and put them off with the lack of football he played, I'm not sure. But you know, thankfully, you know, he, he did stay because Liverpool would be be in serious trouble now if if Origi had gone out. So. Origi and Minamino, you know, really, really do need to step up after the international break, and uh, you know, there's going to be more minutes for them. You know, you, you hope that that will then translate to them being in decent nick and uh, and decent shape going into January. When of you know, of course, you know that they, you know they they're going to be you know almost starting every game. You'd have thought. Chris, what's your what's your perspective on the title race? Jurgen said, "What well, I hope no one runs away with it because we're not a team that's able to do that." I think I think we know that now. Where do you see Liverpool standing? Liverpool are in the mix. Um, I still think come the back end of next year, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, it'll be one of those three. Obviously, Chelsea defensively look the best team. Only I think they've only conceded four goals. Bit of a surprise that they only drew at home to Burnley. People have got to remember that whereas we lose Salah and, and Mane for the African Cup of Nations, they're going to lose the goalie. And he's been a massive difference for Chelsea defensively. I mean, I know they paid a lot of money for uh, Ariza Balaga, but Mendy's a much better goalkeeper. He's he's solidified that defence a lot. So I think he's going to be a, a big loss for them. Man City and Man City, they'll they'll get results. They probably had the easiest fixture of the weekend, having to go through Old Trafford. Whereas, you know, West Ham away is probably a harder game um, at this moment in time. Burnley at home, actually, to be fair to Chelsea, is never, never easy. They, they always give you a scrap. Other than that, West Ham, yeah, going really well. Can they sustain it over... Course of a full season, I think probably not. Don't see Man United being involved. Arsenal maybe out rank outside dark horses because he has got them playing well, and we'll see them at Anfield next. So we'll actually see where Arsenal really are at when they come to Anfield. Ultimately, I think it is a three-horse race, and I don't think any of the three will get away. If people think the African Cup of Nations is going to be decisive, it would be Man City. They'd have the best opportunity because I think there's probably only Mares they might potentially lose for that. Um, they might they might be able to cope with it better. Liverpool might yet have two League Cup fixtures in January to to factor in as well if they beat Leicester in the next round. So that's two games 
you probably don't really want. I mean, you know, obviously you'd like Liverpool to win every trophy, but I think that comes pretty much straight away in the new year, the first leg of that straight after the Chelsea game. And I think it's going to be nip and tuck. I don't think it'll. we'll see a, a City, a Liverpool or a Chelsea getting away that games like West Ham, Chelsea dropping points to Burnley, City dropping points at places you might not expect, losing home to Crystal Palace, for instance. I, I think that's going to be a theme of the season this year. Right. Uh, James, just finish it off for us. International break, is it, is it a good thing now? A rest and recharge sort of time. Obviously, they wouldn't have wanted to lose Arsenal next up, but a, but a couple of weeks for Jürgen to maybe get some fitness back in his players and, and recharge your batteries. Yeah, I think I think probably after a defeat, you, you don't want to break because I think you're left a stew on it, aren't you? For a fortnight dwelling on, you know, in the same way as a, a resounding win, you know, reverberates and you kind of have that positivity for a couple of weeks. It's, it's the other end of the of the spectrum for Liverpool on this occasion. You know, I know he's given the, you know, the non-internationals the the first week off, which is understandable and what he what he usually does. And then they'll regroup in that, that second week and prepare for, you know, what Chris said before, you know, is, is now a really, really big game against Arsenal. You know, a resurgent Arsenal that, you know, it's hard to believe that you know they 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 could potentially leapfrog Liverpool if that if that result doesn't go right. So um, so yeah, I mean obviously for a lot of the players, there's no not much rest in terms of jetting off all around the world and on international duty. But um, yeah, it's just one of those periods where you just hope that people come back fit and healthy because Liverpool have had enough misfortune with injuries already this season. You 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 don't want to see that squad further depleted. But yeah, I think do you know what as as disappointing and as chastening as that defeat was to West Ham, you know, it, you've got to put it in perspective. There's a lot to be positive about already qualified for the last 16 of the Champions League as group winners in the quarterfinals of the League Cup, only four points off the Premier League summit, despite the problems that Klopp's been wrestling with this season. So, um, so yeah, there's work to be done and I'm sure Klopp and his staff will be busy trying to find solutions to those problems during the during the coming fortnight, because there is issues there with the structure and the solidity of the team. But, you know, we've also been treated to some some brilliant performances so far this season, and the challenge is to ensure that, um, you know, that they, they channel that frustration from the London Stadium correctly and, and come out fighting after the international break. Absolutely. James Pierce, Chris McLaughlin, top stuff as always. Hope you've enjoyed uh, the Red Agenda. If you've been listening, there'll be one later uh, this week, because the international break until... Uh, that Arsenal game on the horizon. Many thanks to the guests and thanks once again uh, for listening to The Red Agenda. <laughs>